Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Tonight we continue the story surrounding the mysterious death of Ellen Greenberg. Greenberg was found dead in her Philadelphia apartment with 20 stab wounds to her head, neck, and torso. Her death was ruled a homicide then changed to suicide after investigators found no evidence of an intruder or signs of a struggle. It was physiologically impossible for her to self-inflict all those wounds. And from what I know, the spinal wound on the back of her neck was in an upward direction, severing the spine, possibly damaging the brain. And if you tried to do that yourself with your arm and put it behind your back, very hard to do. All we have is our memories and what would be able to to help me lay my head on my pillow is to make sure that I did everything I could to pursue justice for her. For years, the couple struggled to get anyone to reinvestigate the death of their 27-year-old daughter, Ellen. The family of Ellen Greenberg vowed to fight, and tomorrow the battle to clear their daughter's name continues. We don't know the why. That's the big question here. We would like the cause and manner of death changed. To homicide. This is Unsolved in PA. Hi, I'm Jessica Babb, an investigative reporter for CBS 21 News. In our last episode of Unsolved in PA, in part one of the Ellen Greenberg case, we told you how Ellen Greenberg's fiancé found her dead in their Philadelphia apartment in January of 2011. The 27-year-old was found with 20 stab wounds, several of them in the back of her head and neck. At first, the medical examiner said it was a homicide, but weeks later, it suddenly shifted to suicide. So why did her manner of death change? And could it have physically been possible for her to stab herself 20 times? In this episode, I'm walking you through the medical examiner's ruling and the questions that are now being asked in court. This is part two of Ellen Greenberg, Suicide, or homicide. When you're a parent, your child is your everything, your whole world. So it's no surprise that Harrisburg's Josh and Sandy Greenberg are just as active advocating for their daughter today as they were when she was alive. For Ellen's parents, Josh and Sandy Greenberg, the day that you got the initial call that there was a problem, up to finding out that she had passed, what were those emotions, those feelings that were going through your mind? At the Nothing. Blank. The day their daughter died is a blur. Life. Fiance's on the floor with blood everywhere. It was a cold, dark day in the middle of winter. And we were like stuck inside. We The snow plows hadn't come by to even clear out the main roads, no less to get out of our driveway. And we were in Harrisburg at the time, 
and this took place in Philadelphia or outside of Philadelphia in a town called Maniunk. So we were not really informed very well from we didn't know anything. the authorities. And also we were sort of in shock. We can't sell it. So you may ask us some questions and we're not going to be avoiding answers. We just didn't know what happened. So obviously after you figured out she passed, police were investigating. What were the details of the investigation that you found out? They didn't share very much with us. And we then kind of like all of a sudden, weeks later, the cause and manner of death is changed to suicide, which t totally blew my mind. I mean, that would be the farthest thing from my mind. She would never do that. It's something that doesn't sit well with the Greenbergs, which is why they've been fighting to change her manner of death back to homicide or undetermined. Through their lawsuits, appeals, and lengthy litigation, they're hoping through the courtroom they can compel the Philadelphia Medical Examiner's Office to make that change. Since we weren't getting details and we were experiencing so much pushback from the authorities, we kept... Um, digging and digging and hiring experts to clear clear things up. And my goal is to clear Ellen's name because Ellen did not commit suicide. I have to say though, my outlook was I was, I always, my situation was I always trusted, always believe the police. The police tell me something, I believe it because I trust them. But gradually this whole thing fell apart. It's not because people are stupid. It's not because people are lazy. It's because they're doing it for a reason. And the, that is the big question here, the why. Tom Brennan has been working to answer that question. He's a veteran law enforcement officer who's helped solve hundreds of homicides, including in Pennsylvania. To get to the bottom of what happened to Ellen, her parents enlisted Brennan's expertise. In interviews, he suggested some pieces of evidence at the scene may have been staged. Short of saying, Brennan, don't look around anymore, and Greenbergs go home and sit down and be quiet. Everything else has happened. Several independent medical experts examined the case and determined it's more likely Ellen died of homicide, yet the manner of death was never changed. The well, only people that believe the story that Philadelphia authorities are pitching are they themselves. And with few answers from investigators. When I did get a copy of the autopsy, I was reading through it at night, sitting there with a centimeter ruler trying to understand the nature of each of the wounds, how big, how small, how deep some with smooth edge borders, some with serrated edge borders. And um, it, 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 took, it took a long time, many years, to try to sort through things and get information. And at this point, I don't understand why everything was so, is and was so difficult to obtain. We have the right to know what happened to our daughter.
So why did the medical examiner in this case, Dr. Marlon Osborne, change the manner of death from homicide to suicide in the first place? And you reached the conclusion of a homicide, is that correct? At that time, yes, that's correct. And um, we know that later um, that would be revised to suicide, correct? It was amended to suicide, yes. All right. After you had concluded homicide, but let me first say, were you confident at the time, based on the information available to you, that the determination of homicide was with, within a reasonable degree of medical certainty? At the time of autopsy, I did believe that I had enough information to make that determination. Now, based on your recollection, walk us through how it came about that you amended the manner of death. Um, subsequent, well, following um, um, my determination of homicide, the police were notified. I was then notified that they were continuing their investigation. Um, I had, um, although I had, um, from my own examination of the spinal cord, um, thought the injury was, or there was injury to the spinal cord, I was not certain. In this deposition of Dr. Osborne, provided to us by Joe Pedraza, the Greenberg's attorney, he says he wanted a neuropathologist to look at the case. With those things outlined and that the police request, and knowing that they were going to continue to do an investigation, um, the case was made pending until all information could be gathered and then revisited to determine um, the manner of death. Dr. Osborne's second opinion came from Dr. Lucy Rourke Adams, who was working at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia at the time. And what prompted you to want to have the spinal cord examined? Again, I was not completely 100% certain that there was actual injury to the spinal cord. And in so, the question was, if there was injury, how severe would it be? Would she, um, the question would be, would Miss Graver not be able to continue to inflict injury to herself because of this injury? Dr. Osborne claims Dr. Wark Adams confirmed that Ellen Greenberg still had the use of movement in her arms, meaning Ellen could have stabbed herself. And did she generate a report after each time you had interaction with her regarding an autopsy? Regarding the cases she evaluated, yes. But in this case, there's no report of that consultation ever happening. You're aware that there's no report generated in this case by Dr. Ward, correct? I am aware of that, yes. And here's something else that may have played a role in Ellen's manner of death suddenly changing from homicide to suicide. Sometime in the weeks after she died, the medical examiner's office had a meeting with Philadelphia police and the Philadelphia district attorney's office, a meeting that was the first of its kind. Well, in your time with the medical examiner's office in Philadelphia, oh, up sorry. to January 27 of 2011, um, had you had a similar meeting with representatives from the police department and the district attorney's office to discuss changing the manner of death from homicide to suicide. On any case or just this case? Any case. No, I'd never, I had not had a meeting to discuss changing. The police wanted to present uh, new investigative information uh, to Dr. Osborne. 
This is Dr. Sam Galino in a deposition with Joe Pedraza, the Greenberg's attorney. He was the chief medical examiner at the time of Ellen's death. He was also in that meeting. When do you recall the meeting with the police department, the district attorney's official, Dr. Osborne, yourself occurring? Uh, as I mentioned, I only I recall that it occurred before Dr. Osborne changed the manner of death, amended the manner of death to suicide, but I do not recall what the exact date was. So what did they talk about in that meeting behind closed doors? Both Dr. Osborne and Dr. Galino say they talked about different parts of the investigation, but some of those details are still stuck in the dark. What's your best recollection of what was discussed at the meeting? What I recall being discussed is that the police wanted to present additional evidence that they felt uh, that they felt showed that the death of Ellen Greenberg was a suicide and not a homicide. And what was that additional evidence? I don't recall the entirety of what was discussed at the meeting. What do you recall, though, that was discussed? The two topics that I remember from the from that meeting were the absence of defensive cuts on Ellen Greenberg's hands or forearms and the fact that the uh, door was locked uh, or the, the lock was engaged from the inside of the apartment. Those were the only those are the only two topics that I recall. I'm sure that there was more than that. But once again, there's no record of it. What record exists of that meaning that you generated? I did not generate uh, any kind of record. I do not see that Dr. Osborne, as it was his case, generated any record either. Um, and well, did the district attorney's office um, take notes or was anybody taking notes as to what was being expressed and what was being shared at that meeting? I have no recollection whether or not other people in the meeting were taking notes or if they generated any kind of reports or documents regarding the meeting. Would you agree with me that the substance of that discussion, though, was significant because it was bearing upon Dr. Osborne's assessment or reassessment of manner of death and therefore part of the medical examiner's office's records? I agree that it was an important meeting. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Court documents claim what happened in that meeting changed everything. As a result of that meeting, did uh, Dr. Uh, Osborne agree to change the uh, manner of death? Evidently, evidently he did because he did in fact change it. Later on in the deposition, Dr. Galino says the suggestion there was foul play is false. Um, 
Earlier in the deposition, uh, Mr. Pedraza characterized the meeting with the DA as a meeting to change the manner of death. Is that, did they express that to you at the beginning? I don't recall exactly what was said. The, inf the information that was being um, provided, uh, as I recall, was clearly in the tenor of, we don't believe this is a homicide. We believe that there's evidence this is a suicide. I don't think that anyone started with saying, we want you to change the, the manner of death, nor did anyone make that demand. If there had been any sort of such demand or pressure, I would have simply ended the meeting because that's not how I work. But it's clear that they were presenting information because they felt that the manner of death was different from what had been ruled. You told Mr. Pedraza that it's not, it's not all the time that you meet with the police, but it's not unheard of, correct? That's correct. Why is it important to consider information from the police? Well, the, it is dangerous to interpret autopsy findings in isolation. They're always, we're always interpreting them in light of investigative information. Um, and we don't do those investigations to, to a large extent. We can do a very preliminary investigation when the body is present at the scene, but then a lot of information tends to get developed afterwards. And in some cases, that information can actually change how we look at the case, how we interpret what we saw at the autopsy. I've reached out to Philadelphia police, asking them about this meeting and if they pressured medical examiners to change the manner of death, but they say they're not commenting because of current litigation. I also reached out to the Philadelphia Medical Examiner's Office, Dr. Sam Galino and Dr. Marlon Osborne. None of them responded. So there's a lot of problems with what Dr. Osborne is saying uh, as to why he changed. But there's one thing that stands out among all of this that we were very fortunate many years later in May of 2021. What lengths would you go to protect your child? For one Dauphin County couple, the efforts are limitless and it's all in an attempt to clear their daughter's name. Eight years after Ellen took her last breath, her family filed a lawsuit, hoping to breathe new life into her case, this time in a courtroom. In 2019, Josh and Sandy Greenberg filed their lawsuit against Dr. Marlon Osborne and the Philadelphia Medical Examiner's Office. During depositions, Greenberg's attorney, Joe Pedraza, says their case got a big break. And at that point, I also made the decision to ask Dr. Uh, Lindsay Emery, who joined our office well after the Greenberg case occurred, to examine the spinal cord. I was aware that the spinal cord specimen still existed. Um, and to me, the one a, a primary question was whether there was damage to the spinal cord and whether it could have uh, affected Ellen's ability to then stab herself in the chest. Because obviously, if it were impossible to do so, that would answer the question very simply. Dr. Galino says after Dr. Lindsay Emery evaluated Ellen's case, he stuck to the ruling of suicide. Based on the entirety of that information that I, that I uh, had reviewed, I came to the conclusion that I did not have reason to disagree with Dr. Osborne's ultimate conclusion that this was a suicide. 
Uh, I, so I looked at this through the lens of that's his opinion, and I do not have sufficient reason to disagree with it. And what is the basis of why you don't uh, you don't find disagreement? What, what do you base that on? Um, the the data which I consider to be most supportive of this being a suicide are the absence of defensive knife wounds, the numerous clustered hesitation marks, uh, the, uh, I place less weight on the door lock because obviously that's not something like a, a deadbolt fastened from the inside, but I do think that it can carry some weight. Um, and importantly, the fact that Dr. Emery's conclusion, which she voiced to me, was that the damage to the spinal cord was an artifact and that there was nothing in the injuries shown in the photographs uh, or in her examination that would have prevented uh, uh, Ellen from stabbing herself in the chest. But take a listen to this. This is what Dr. Lindsay Emery had to say during her deposition. Essentially, there are three possibilities. One is that the sharp force injury to what would have been the back of her neck entered into the vertebral column, the cervical vertebra, and pierced or went through that dura, that layer of covering I was talking about, and just didn't go any farther. And maybe that there wasn't sort of a long enough survival interval for there to be reaction, hemorrhage, etc. The second possibility of which there are two arms to are that, that those injuries happened post-mortem after her death. One is that the sharp force injury in and of itself happened period, point blank, after she had been deceased so that there would be no reaction to it. Or that, again, and this is kind of in line with the fir my first explanation, that while there may have been a sharp force injury to her neck and to the dura, that that disruption I'm seeing in the spinal cord was a post-mortem artifact introduced during the autopsy. Did you catch all of that? One of those possibilities suggests one of Ellen's injuries could have happened after she died. I want you to pretend you're a layperson. <laughs> um, are you telling, do I just understand what you just said there is that Ellen suffered wounds after she died? I'm saying either the wounds didn't, that's one possibility, yes. And that wasn't the only time in the deposition she mentioned that. Here she is again, talking about Ellen's injuries. You know, I have all of this evidence that says there's no, there's no hemorrhage or reaction to any of these changes in the spinal cord. So you're, what you're saying is Ellen would have been dead when this was administered. Yeah. But in January of 2022, 11 years after Ellen died, the Pennsylvania Attorney General, who was investigating the case by this time, said Dr. Emery misspoke in the deposition. They say the city of Philadelphia also filed a statement from Dr. Emery where she reiterates there's many possible explanations for the lack of hemorrhaging. Are you ready for another twist in this investigation? The Attorney General's office said while the facts of Ellen's death are gut-wrenching, 
They say she made web searches for methods of committing suicide, quick death, and depression. They also say Ellen's text messages with her mom show she was dealing with severe stress and anxiety. We were just navigating as we, the best we could. Basically, we thought our daughter was happy. I know some people will argue that she was dealing with mental health issues, she was struggling, and that's why this happened. What do you respond to those claims? Well, it, it happens in certain cases. Um, there is no question, I think she was prescribed, I'm looking at my notes here, Ambien and Clonopin, right? Ambien for sleep, Clonopin for um, anxiety. Uh, by all accounts, she took no more than what was being prescribed and the, the levels being prescribed. Um, by um, the texts that we have close to her death, she felt that they were improving her condition and she was feeling better. And uh, the toxicology came back with saying it was traces. And even the pathologists themselves have said that there is no reason to believe that uh, those prescriptions contributed to anything. So I, I think it's, um, it's sad that because she agreed with her parents to seek some mental health help, that people just tag you then with, oh, well, then, you know, you're suicidal. Remember how court documents claim some of Sam Goldberg's family members went into the apartment after Ellen died and took some of her things, including her computer? Because I'm not saying something did happen with it, but you don't know now. And you can't be certain that what's on these devices now were, you know, actually there before they were taken out. And that's what we call the chain of custody. Putting that aside, um, the FBI, when it was when Ellen's laptop was returned, it was analyzed by the FBI in 2011. From the documents that we do have from the police department, the request was, do you see anything that would indicate suicide or uh, preoccupation with suicide? And they came back and said no. But once again, the Pennsylvania Attorney General's office refutes that claim, saying her computer wasn't tampered with especially in a way that would add those types of searches. Pedraza claims other searches popped up when she was searching for anxiety medication. She was looking at the medications that were going to be prescribed to her, and she was concerned, like, am I going to get weight gain? Uh, am I going to, you know, uh, be affected mentally because, you know, I, I got to teach school? Um, things of that nature is, is what she was uh, focused on. The Pennsylvania Attorney General says all evidence points to suicide, and they say her case is closed. But it's far from closed for the Greenbergs. Fortunately, had a little bit of money. Fortunately, had time. But if you if you look into these cases, they're just waiting for me to die or run out of money, or her. That's what they're doing. They're not. There's no justice involved in this in this, the part of the city. They are just stalling. I think what we're doing, having a mission and a purpose, is better than sitting in the corner over there and crying. The Greenbergs are still pushing for answers to get their daughter's manner of death changed from suicide to homicide. So where is this case now? Initially, the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office was investigating, but due to a conflict, they referred it to another office which is why the Pennsylvania Attorney General was looking into it. But in July of 2022, 
the Pennsylvania Attorney General referred the case back to the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office, saying while they didn't have an actual conflict of interest, there was the appearance of one. From there, the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office referred it out to the Chester County District Attorney. They say they're investigating, but won't comment on the case. This is wrong. This is disgusting. I, I, I can't think of the horrible words I could use to describe what I think of this situation. The Greenberg's initial lawsuit has been dragging on, stuck in the cycle of appeals. But their case was recently heard by a panel of judges in the Commonwealth Court. The city um, has been fighting us, uh, you know, tooth and nail, and they felt that uh, they needed the appellate court, what we, we call the intermediate appellate court, which is the Commonwealth Court, to give guidance on whether we can challenge that final determination on the death certificate. The Commonwealth Court is expected to answer these legal questions soon. Both Josh and Sandy Greenberg have also now filed a second case, this time seeking monetary damages. I think about her all the time, and I think about um, the positivity and the, the bright light and things that we would laugh about, things that we enjoy doing together. As they continue to hold on to hope and keep their daughter's memory alive. Justice for Ellen, that's what this is about. There's not gonna be closure. Even when I get justice, my life is not gonna close with her. Unfortunately, for 11 and a half years, I've been going to this thing on Friday, and I'm gonna keep going, and I'll see her picture. Once again, I'm Jessica Babb for CBS 21 News. In addition to hosting this podcast, I also wrote, produced, and edited it. So if you like what you heard, let me know and leave a review. We'll be releasing new episodes every two weeks. If you'd like to learn more about Ellen Greenberg's case, we have more information on our website at cbs21.com. And do you have an unsolved case in Pennsylvania you'd like us to look into? Well, let us know. Feel free to send us an email at news at cbs21.com or find us on social media. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you next time. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.